Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at The Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the top, over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we are starting a new chapter, Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, with Section 1, the introduction, and Section 2, Healing as Joining. And at the top of the hour... We will pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, which is Lesson 51, the first of the review lesson. And a friend is here this morning and will lead us through the introduction to the review and the first review. That's just, like I say, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Lori, do you have an opening that you'd like to offer us this morning? I do, Lemoyne. Thank you. It's very short. I think I'll read it twice. A very little thought from Moji. Wide are opinions. Narrow is experience when perceived only by the mind. Shallow are opinions. Deep is experience when perceived inside the heart. Wide are opinions, narrow is experience, when perceived only by the mind. Shallow are opinions, deep is experience, when perceived inside the heart. Perfect little introduction to Review Lesson 51, I thought. And there you have it. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Lovely. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, thank you very much, Lori. My privilege. You're welcome. Blaze purpose all hard huh. all right with this in reading this morning I have uh, uh, Fran Robin Marie Karen Lori and Jessica with us and listening, I've got uh, Patricia, Judy, and Steve. 
Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning? The reading list? Good morning. This is Steve. I can listen or read. Or both. Okay, Steve. (laughs) Good morning. This is Donna, and I can read if need. Thank you. All right, Donna. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Chris. Joyously listening. All right. Okay. All right, I'll go ahead and get us rolling then. In Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, the introduction, paragraph 1. To heal is to make happy. I have told you before to think how many opportunities you have to gladden you you have. I told you before to think how many opportunities you have to gladden yourselves and how many you have refused. This is exactly the same as telling you that you have refused to heal yourself. The light that belongs to you is the light of joy. Radiance is not associated with sorrow. Depression is often contagious, but although it may affect those who come into contact with it, they do not yield to the influence wholeheartedly. But joy calls forth an integrated willingness to share in it and thus promote the mind's natural impulse to respond as one. Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, Introduction To heal is to make happy. I have told you before to think how many opportunities you have to gladden yourself and how many you have refused. This is exactly the same as telling you that you have refused to heal yourselves. The light that belongs to you is the light of joy. Radiance is not associated with sorrow. Depression is often contagious, but although it may affect those who come in contact with it, they do not yield to the influence wholeheartedly. But joy calls forth an integrated willingness to share in it and thus promotes the mind's natural impulse to respond as one. Two, those who attempt to heal without being wholly joyous themselves call forth different kinds of responses at the same time and must deprive others of the joy of responding wholeheartedly. To be wholehearted, you must be happy. If fear and love cannot coexist, and if it is impossible to be wholly fearful and remain alive, then the only possible whole state is that of love. There is no difference between love and joy. Therefore, the only possible whole state is the wholly joyous. To heal or to make joyous is therefore the same as to integrate and to make one. That is why it makes no difference to what part or by what part of the sonship the healing is done. Every part benefits and benefits equally. 
Thank you, friend. And Robin Marie, would you read two through four? Sure. Two. Those who attempt to heal without being wholly joyous themselves call forth different kinds of responses at the same time and thus deprive others of the joy of responding wholeheartedly. To be wholehearted, you must be happy. If fear and love cannot coexist, and if it is impossible to be wholly fearful and remain alive, then the only possible whole state is that of love. There is no difference between love and joy. Therefore, the only possible whole state is the wholly joyous, To heal or to make joyous is therefore the same as to integrate and to make one. That is why it makes no difference to what part or by what part of the sonship the healing is done. Every part benefits and benefits equally. Three, you are being blessed by every beneficent thought of any of your brothers anywhere. You should want to bless them in return out of gratitude. You do not have to know them individually or say you. The light is so strong that it radiates throughout the sonship and returns thanks to the Father for radiating his joy upon it. Only God's holy children are worthy to be channels of his beautiful joy because only they are beautiful enough to hold it by sharing it. It is impossible for a child of God to love his neighbor except as himself. That is why the healer's prayer is, let me know this brother as I know myself. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen, would you read three and four, please? Three. You are being blessed by every beneficent thought of any of your brothers anywhere. You should want to bless them in return out of gratitude. You do not have to know them individually or they you. The light is so strong that it radiates throughout the sonship and returns thanks to the Father for radiating his joy upon it. Only God's holy children are worthy to be channels of his beautiful joy because only they are beautiful enough to hold it out by sharing it. It is impossible for a child of God to love his neighbor except as himself. That is why the healer's prayer is, let me know this brother as I know myself. Are you on mute, Lemoyne? 
I am on mute. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. And uh, that's great that you're ready to speak. Um, I, I'm a okay. I'll put it this way: read as much of three as you would like, and uh, four, and then in into the next section with five. Alrighty. So from three, you are being blessed by every beneficent thought of any of your brothers anywhere. The light of joy is so strong that it radiates throughout the sonship and returns thanks to the Father for radiating his joy upon it. Only God's holy children are worthy to be channels of his beautiful joy because only they are beautiful enough to hold it by sharing. It is impossible for a child of God to love his neighbor except as himself. That is why the healer's prayer is, let me know this brother as I know myself. Section 2, Healing is Joining. Healing is an act of thought by which two minds perceive their oneness and become glad. This gladness calls to every part of the sonship to rejoice with them and lets God himself go out into them and through them. Only the healed mind can experience revelation with lasting effect because revelation is an experience of pure joy. If you do not choose to be wholly joyous, your mind cannot have what it does not choose to be. Remember that the soul knows no difference between being and having. The higher mind thinks according to the laws which the soul obeys and therefore honors only the laws of God. To him, getting is meaningless and giving is all. Having everything, the soul holds everything by giving it and thus creates as the Father created. Thank you, Lori. And Jessica, would you uh, read five and six? Did you say five and six? Oh, it's hard to hear you. Okay. Sorry. Um, section title would be good, too. <laughs> oh, section title. Thank you. Healing and wholeness. Um, section two. Healing as joining. Paragraph 5. Healing thought by which two minds perceive their oneness and become glad. This gladness calls for every part of the sonship to rejoice with them and lets God himself go out into them and through them only the healed mind can experience revelation with lasting effect because revelation is an experience of pure joy. If you do not choose to be wholly joyous, your mind cannot have what it does not choose to be. Remember that the soul knows no difference between being and having. The higher mind thinks according to the laws which the soul obeys and therefore honors only the laws of God. To him, getting is meaningless 
and giving is all. Having everything, the soul holds everything by giving it and thus creating as the Father created. Six, if you think about it, you will see that while this kind of thinking is totally alien to having things, even to the lower mind, it is quite comprehensible in connection with ideas. If you share a physical possession, you do divide its ownership. If you share an idea, however, you do not lessen it. All of it is still yours, although all of it has been given away. Further, if the person to whom you give it accepts it as his, he reinforces it in your mind and thus increases it. You can accept, if you can accept the concept that the world is, is one of ideas, the whole belief in the false association which the ego makes between giving and losing is gone. Thank you, Jessica. And Steve, would you read six through eight? Yes. <clears throat> if you think about it, you will see that while this kind of thinking is totally alien to having things, even to the lower mind, it is quite comprehensible in connection with ideas. <clears throat> if you share a physical possession, you do divide its ownership. If you share an idea, however, you do not lessen it. All of it is still yours, although all of it has been given away. Further, if the person to whom you give it accepts it as his concept, wait, give it as his, he reinforces it in your mind and thus increases it. If you can accept the concept that the world is one of ideas, the whole belief in the false association which the ego makes between giving and losing is gone. Seven, let us start our process of reawakening with just a few simple concepts. Eight, thoughts increase by given, being given away. The more who believe in them, the stronger they become. Everything is an idea. How then is it possible that giving and losing can be meaningfully associated? Did you say nine? Uh, yes, please. Nine? Uh, or no, through, excuse me, through eight. <clears throat> okay, so I'll pass. And, okay, Donna, could you read 7 through 9? Are you on mute, Donna? Sorry. 
Let us start our process of reawakening with just a few simple concepts. Eight, thoughts increase by being given away. The more who believe in them, the stronger they become. Everything is an idea. How then is it possible that giving and losing can be meaningfully associated? Nine, this is the invitation to the Holy Spirit. I told you that I could reach up and bring the Holy Spirit down to you. But I can bring him to you only at your own invitation. The Holy Spirit is nothing more than your own right mind. He was also mine. The Bible says, quote, May the mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, end quote. And uses this as a blessing. It is the blessing of miracle-mindedness. It asks that you think as I thought, joining with me in Christ's thinking. Yes. Thank you, Donna. And uh, the list covers well, little numbers. But I think we're at this point. Is there a new reader who would like to read? Uh, um, go with uh, seven through ten. Seven through ten? I can do it. Thank you, Lemoyne. Okay. Please go ahead, Judy. Okay. Seven. Let us start our process of reawakening with just a few simple concepts. Thoughts increase by being given away. The more who believe in them, the stronger they become. Everything, everything is an idea. How? then is it possible that giving and losing can be meaningfully associated? This is the invitation to the Holy Spirit. I told you that I could reach up and bring the Holy Spirit down to you, but I can bring him to you only at your own invitation. The Holy Spirit is nothing more than your own right mind. He was also mine. The Bible says, May the mind be in you that was also in Jesus Christ. And uses this as a blessing. It is the blessing of miracle-mindedness. It asks that you may think as I thought, joining with me in Christ thinking. The Holy Spirit is the only part of the Holy Trinity, which is symbolic. He is referred to in the Bible as the healer, the comforter, and the guide. He is also described as something, quote, separate, unquote, apart from the Father and from the Son. I myself said, if I go, I will send you another comforter, and he will abide with you. The Holy Spirit is a difficult concept to grasp, precisely because it is symbolic 
and therefore open to many different interpretations. As a man, excuse me, as a man and as one of God's creations, my right thinking, which came from the universal inspiration, which is the Holy Spirit, taught me first and foremost that this inspiration is for all. I could not have had it, it, myself, without knowing this. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for paragraphs 10 and 11? This is Sandra. I can read. Great. The Holy Spirit is the only part of the Holy Trinity which is symbolic. He is referred to in the Bible as the healer, the comforter, and the guide. He is also described as something separate apart from the Father and from the Son. I myself said, if I go, I will send you another comforter, and he will abide with you. The Holy Spirit is a difficult concept to grasp precisely because it is symbolic and therefore open to many different interpretations. As a man and as one of God's creations, my right thinking, which came from the universal inspiration, which is the Holy Spirit, taught me first and foremost that this inspiration is for all. I could not have it myself without knowing this. The word know is proper in this context because the holy inspiration is so close to knowledge that it calls it forth, or better, allows it to come. We have spoken before of the higher or the true perception, which is so close to truth that God himself can flow across the little gap. Knowledge is always ready to flow everywhere, but it cannot oppose. Therefore, you can obstruct it. Therefore, you can obstruct it, although you can never lose it. The Holy Spirit is the Christ mind which senses the knowledge that lies beyond perception. It came into being with the separation as a protection, inspiring the beginning of the atonement at the same time. Before that, there was no need for healing, and no one was comfortless. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader who would like to conclude with 11? Another new reader for 11. Okay, uh, back to you, Fran. 11. <clears throat> the word, quote, no, is proper in this context because the holy inspiration is so close to knowledge that it calls the force, allows it to come. 
We have spoken before of the higher or the, quote, true perception, which is so close to truth that God himself can flow across a little gap. Knowledge is always ready to flow everywhere, but it cannot oppose. Therefore, you can obstruct it, although you can never lose it. The Holy Spirit is the Christ mind, which senses the knowledge that lies beyond perception. It came into being with the separation as a protection, inspiring the beginning of the atonement at the same time. Before that, there was no need for healing, and no one was comfortless. Thank you, friend. There is time to go back to production. We are starting Chapter 5, Healing and Home. I think these are synonymous here. Okay, we get to sentence one. To heal is to make happy. Think how many opportunities you have to gladden yourself and how many you have refused. This is a refusal to heal yourself. The light that belongs to you is the light of joy. Radiance is not associated with sorrow. Joy calls forth an integrated willingness to share it and thus promotes the mind's natural impulse to respond as one. To be wholehearted you must be happy. If fear and love cannot coexist, and if it is impossible to be wholly fearful and remain alive, then the only possible whole state is that of love. There is no difference between love and joy. Therefore, the only whole possible state is the holy joyous. <coughs> To heal or make joyous is therefore the same as to integrate and to make one. That is why it makes no difference to what part or by what part of the sonship the healing is done. Every part benefits and benefits equally. Three, you are being blessed You are being blessed by every beneficent thought of any of your brothers anywhere. You should want to bless them in return out of gratitude. You do not have to know them individually, or they you. The light of joy is so strong that it radiates through the sonship and returns thanks to the Father for radiating his joy upon it. Only God's holy children are worthy to be channels of his beautiful joy because only they are beautiful enough to hold it by sharing it. 
It is impossible for a child of God to love his neighbor except as himself. That is why the healer's prayer is, let me know this brother as I know myself. Section 2, Healing as Joining. Healing is an act of thought by which two minds perceive their oneness and become glad. This gladness calls to every part of the sonship. Calls to every part of the sonship to rejoice with them and let God himself go out into them and through them. Remember that the soul knows no difference between being and having. The higher mind thinks according to the laws which the soul obeys and therefore honors only the laws of God. To him, getting is meaningless and giving is all. Having everything, the soul holds everything by giving it and thus creates as the Father created. Even the lower mind is quite comprehensible in connection with ideas that this kind of thinking. If you share a physical possession, you do divide its ownership. However, if you share an idea, you do not lessen. All of it is still yours, although all of it has been given away. <clears throat> Further, if the the person to whom you give it accepts it as his, he reinforces it in your mind and thus increases it. If you can accept the concept that the world is one of ideas, the whole belief in the false association between giving and losing is gone. So, start with these concepts. Thoughts increase by being given away. The more who believe in them, the stronger they become. Everything is an idea. How then is it possible that giving and losing can be meaningfully associated? This is the invitation to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is nothing more than your own right mind. He was also the mind of Christ Jesus. The Bible says, may the mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus and uses this as a blessing. It is the blessing of miracle-minded. It asks that we may think as he thought joining with him in Christ's thinking. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit can be a difficult concept to grasp precisely because it is symbolic and therefore open to many different interpretations. As a man... And as one of God's creations, my right thinking, which came from the universal inspiration, 
which is the Holy Spirit, taught me first and foremost that this inspiration is for all. I could not have it myself without knowing this. The word know is proper in this context because the holy inspiration is so close to knowledge that it calls it forth, or better, allows it to come. We have spoken before of the higher or the, quote, true perception, which is so close to truth that God himself can flow across the little gap. Knowledge is always ready to flow everywhere, but it cannot oppose. Therefore, we can obstruct it, although we can't ever really lose it. The Holy Spirit is the Christ mind which senses the knowledge that lies beyond perception. It came into being with the separation as a protection, inspiring the beginning of the atonement at the same time. Before that, there was no need for healing and no one was known. I want to turn to paragraph three. You are being blessed by every beneficent thought of any of your brothers. That is why the healer's prayer is, let me know this brother, let me call myself. Thank you, LeMoyne. Great summary. Thank you, LeMoyne. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for listening. And uh, top of the hour. So, if I may, turn to you, Fran. Lead us through our first introduction and the first review. Okay. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the review one, our first review of the first part of the workbook. So I will read some from the introduction and then move over to the lesson. Review one. Beginning with today, we will have a series of review periods. Each of them will cover five of the ideas already presented. In the practice periods, the exercises should be done as follows. Begin the day by reading the five ideas with the comments included. Devote two minutes or more to each practice period. Do this as often as possible during the day. If any one of the five ideas appeals to you more than the others, concentrate on that one. At the end of the day, however, be sure to review all of them once more. After you have read the idea and the related commitments, the comments, the exercises should be done with your eyes closed and when you are alone in a quiet place, if possible. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heal distress and turmoil. You will yet learn that peace is part of you. 
and requires only that you be there to embrace any situation in which you are. And finally, you will learn that there is no limit to where you are, so that your peace is everywhere as you are. Okay, so we'll move over to the lesson. Lesson 51. I'm going to read the title of the lesson and one comment on each. Oh, there's five of them, each one. Number one, nothing I see means anything. The reason this is so is that I see nothing and nothing has no meaning. Two, I have given what I see all the meaning it has for me. I have judged everything I look upon. Three, I do not understand anything I see. How could I understand what I see when I have judged it amiss? Four, these thoughts do not mean anything. The thoughts of which I am aware do not mean anything because I am trying to think without God. Five, I am never upset for the reason I think. I am never upset for the reason I think because I am constantly trying to justify quote-unquote, my thoughts. So we'll take a moment and reflect on these. Lesson 51. Nothing I see means anything. I have given what I see all the meaning it has for me. I do not understand anything I see. These thoughts do not mean anything. I am never upset for the reason I think. Lesson 51, nothing I see means anything. I have given what I see all the meaning it has for me. I do not understand anything I see. These thoughts do not mean anything. I am never upset for the reason I think. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. That was wonderful. Thanks, guys.
Good morning, this is Sandra. And nothing I see means anything because it's based in the premise that I'm a person. I have given what I see of the meaning it has for me, again, based in the premise that I'm a person. I do not understand anything I see because it's based in the premise that I'm a person. These thoughts do not mean anything because they're still based in the premise that I'm a person. (laughs) I am never upset for the reason I think because I'm always upset because I think I'm a person. So, and this, for me, I'm, I'm the queen of don't take it personally, but anytime I think I'm a person and that something's going to affect me as a person, I'm, I'm barking up the wrong tree because I am spirit. I am not a body. I am free. I am as God created me. I am spirit. And therefore, there's nothing person. There's no person. There's nothing personal. There's no special relationships because that's all personal. <laughs> it just is spirit, the spirit of love, which is spirit of inclus- inclusion because love doesn't judge. It certainly doesn't judge anything personally because it doesn't look at it personally. Love is neutral. Love encompasses everything. It includes everything. It doesn't judge anything. And the only way I can know that is to not identify with anything personally. (laughs) I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. I love that audio invitation. Yeah. Uh, Seeing from behind the body makes all the difference. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, yesterday I was in this uh, meditation group and afterward I felt horrible, which I always do for some reason. And then um, when we were doing the lesson earlier this morning when we got to um when we got to the fifth one which is i'm never upset for the reason i think i kind of had this breakthrough and then when we went to do the reading today um the exact same dynamic came back up and I was looking at it and going, okay, I, uh, this doesn't mean anything. I've described all the meaning that this has for me. I don't understand it. My thoughts don't mean anything. And I'm never upset for the reason I think. Um, I've got this childhood wound, this very, very deep childhood wound of being invisible and not being equal to everybody else. I'm not equal to everybody else. I'm not allowed to exist like other people are. So um, on my call over on the Zoom yesterday with the meditation, everybody shares. I haven't shared in years. I do this Zoom about twice a month, sometimes three times a month. I haven't shared in years because um, 
when I used to share, my teacher would um, interrupt me. And he would stop me from sharing, basically. He would shut me up. <laughs> and, I, and they're all really hardcore meditators, and they're energetically so sensitive to emotions, like emotions are these dark, horrible things that you're not supposed to have. And so everybody's skin would start crawling when I would start talking because I have a lot of emotion, unconscious emotion, and they're at that level of being so sensitive that it really hurts their bodies. It hurts them to even hear me speak. And, um, okay, so this whole thing doesn't mean anything. I've ascribed the meaning. I've given the meaning to that whole story. I don't understand why he sets me up. <laughs> um, my thoughts about it are just the commentary of an ego mind coming from a child place of being completely, like, confused and wanting to explain what's going on. And, and I'm never upset for the reason I think. So I think I'm upset because because I feel different from everybody. But I'm really upset because of something that might have happened a million years ago and how I interpreted it. And it's not real. Once again, we keep coming back to what the Course is trying to teach me, that even though these emotions come up, these feelings come up, they're like a, a, a reaction to something based on a story that I made up a long, long time ago. And all of these feelings, they're just programmed to keep coming back with anything that's similar to this dynamic. So when Lemoyne had me read one paragraph, <laughs> and it ended up, it would have been perfect if I had read two because because it ended up that Fran reread the last paragraph and she was the first reader. So it would have been perfect. But because I was only allowed one paragraph, it was like yesterday being repeated. And I've been so, so sick, and I really do pray for healing on this um, because I'm so nauseous and I've been so sick. And when I go into the nauseousness, it's just emotion, but the emotion is infinite. It's like there is no end to the crying inside. There's no end to it. It just feels like it's just, it goes on and on and on, and I just feel so, so sick. I haven't been able to function all week, and it's starting to take a toll on me. Anyway, um, I guess I shared, overshared enough, but uh, I'm really practicing this lesson today. I'm really trying to to take it in that I am never upset for the reason I think. And I give the whole thing to the Holy Spirit and pray for it to be dissolved by Jesus shining it away with my mind. I'm complete. That was just oh. beautiful, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Oh. Thank you, Karen. I, I wanted to... I wanted to say that I've been reading this thing called You by Ernest Holmes. I don't know if you've read any Ernest Holmes, but this is really cool. I know that the presence, the power, and the activity of the living spirit are in and around me. I know that the law of God, which is perfect, is operating through me. 
I know that there is one mind. That mind is God. That mind is my mind. There is no fear in this mind, no memory of fear, no expectation of fear. There is no thought of want, of lack, or limitation in this mind. This mind is functioning in me now. I just thought that that was just so wonderful, such a wonderful way of getting back to the source and I just think you're precious, Karen, so I just want you to know that. Oh, that was a real gift, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. That was really beautiful. Um, I also wanted to add one little thought. I do not know what anything means, including this. I do not know what anything including this means, and so I do not know how to respond to it, and I will not use my own past learning as the light to guide me now. My answer to my life, I'm complete. Excellent, excellent. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. Thanks. I just, I'm so with you, Kira. I just, I think you're being so creative, courageous. And what comes to mind, um, thank you, Fred, for helping us to the lesson again this morning that, you know, it speaks of this in the introduction that we are egoic thinking and, 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 and our thinking is, you know, just, you know, it's an ocean of egoic thinking, and it's based in fear. The premise itself is all the thoughts come from fear, no matter how, how we try to hide them or, um, you know, dress them up or make them sound good. They're all self-seeking from a sense of lack. And, you know, when those of us who have been doing the course have learned to recognize this egoic thought system and how it makes wants to make us miserable. It fills us full of doubt, insecurity, inadequacy, and fear. It's all about the fear and feeling yucky. And it's the mystery maker, the baloney grinder. And, um, you know, the reading in the text today is so precious, absolutely precious, because it unifies us and strengthens us in our unity in the spirit of joy, which is God's will for us. It's God's will that I be perfectly happy, perfectly at peace, and to bring the lamp of the light of the mind of God, that knowing the light in its its own awareness of itself, that Christ says, bring this light with you, and, and look upon the ego and see what it makes of, of us, you know. It's like, and see what it's made of the world, you know. It's insane. It's selfish and it's self-seeking and it's self-centered. And it doesn't hold a thought for anyone but itself. And it's sick and suffering and dis-ease, at dis-ease with itself and always seeking outside of itself for peace. 
and for a quick fix, a temporary truce in the war with itself. It's just one big fight all the time. But to look at it, um, and Karen, I just got to say again, I think you've got the heart of courage going on right now because it, the feelings, it's like intellectually I could grasp it, but the feelings are deeply rooted in the identification with the body. And this is where the memories of the past hurts, woundedness are healed, defended, and concealed. And it's just sitting with that, the light of the awareness of the non-judging, non-condemning mind that just says, well, look at this, look at this, look at this. In the immediacy of the now, whatever, you know, if you want to go to places that trigger you, that's your choice. You don't have to go there. It's not necessary. Be at peace. And when they do come up, shine the lamp of heaven on them and say, I say to myself, you know, don't let the past intrude. I've invited the lamp of heaven, the light of understanding and love to come with me and shine away this darkness. This is the darkness, looking through the glass darkly, through the ego mind. It's, you know, the darkness that I don't understand. I'm doing this to myself. I, I have some vague recollection that somehow I know I'm, I'm doing this to myself, but I don't, it's like I'm in a trap. The ego gets itself in a trap it can't spring. It needs the light of the Holy Spirit of the Christ thinking in order to gently embrace all this pain and, and suffering and hurt and woundedness and, and to look at it and say, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? And to look at all the fear, mistaken self-appraisals, the false beliefs that um, um, uh, need to be uncovered in our minds in order that the feelings that are hidden in our body can come up and out, uh, that catharsis. It's, you know, the, the, the thorns, removing the thorns, it's the um, ability of ourself to love ourselves and say, you know, I know this is not God's will for me. I absolutely trust that this is not in my best interest. <laughs> and that's one of the lessons, you know, that God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. And I'm going to let him work with me. I'm going to collaborate um, in him restoring my freedom from this bondage to this baloney grinder, this misery maker. And nothing it stopped me except my defending my own my own um, old hurts and and um, and not having courage to look at the fear because fear is, does not exist. And I love what you just read, Reverend Marie, because that's the mind of God that when we let go of the ego, egoic thinking, that's the kind of thinking we have, that there is no fear, there's nothing but gain in sharing joy and the... Um, the constancy and um, consistency of being at peace and accepting with love everything that, that comes up um, without any disturbance at all. Ergo, there I go. <laughs> I love the course and I love you guys. I'm so glad we're all together. I'm complete. Thank you. This is Ida. Karen, um, you, you don't have to do the flower essences. 
any one of these things I say might help you. But you can still be around flowers. That's the essence of the essence. You go to a park or someplace where there's a lot of flowers growing. And even after you watch for bees, just put your hands on the flowers and just gently kind of wave them around a little bit. And you'll be getting the flower essence. You know, it's with love because everything has a soul. I believe that. And um, you may have toxic metals. We get toxic metals through all of our environment, air, soil, water, even, unfortunately, our food and stuff like that can contribute to that. And, of course, you know, eat gently and lightly or just drink, you know, fruit juices, vegetable juices. And uh, there is some things for toxic metals. I have one that possibly you can get that's just an herbal thing that you take a little squirt in a glass of water maybe every day or whenever you feel bad like that until you feel better and things like that until I believe you know until we learn how to heal everything spiritually which is the ultimate healing of course which which he talks about in here um, we can use these things that are even more natural like the things I was talking about rather than prescription drugs that there are you know for nausea and stuff like that I don't take you know because uh, I have diabetes and, um, and stuff that I know is affecting my digestive system. And I know when I do the essences, it helps me with the emotions when I get help with that. I get help physically too. And I believe it's very, very connected. But you can attack it. You don't really attack it. But you can, you can heal it in any one of those ways, through the physical, through the emotional, even through the mental, as somebody was talking about a book by Ernest Holmes and the, all the really good thoughts. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. So all the best. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you for your love. Thank you for yes. your support. Good morning. Really sweet. Thanks, Ida. Yes. Good morning. This is Steve. And what I read this morning moved me to ponder everything, quote, everything is an idea. When I heard that, I went, wow, that's worth looking at. And it says that the world is one of ideas. I know that that's applicable because I'm looking right now through a window at a pecan tree. Lean to the left. The whole thing is happening in my perception as an idea. And to just not move from that pondering that the world is one of ideas and that everything is an idea. I would ask everyone on the call now to honor me by just taking 30 seconds and in your mind, in our minds, accept that everything in this world 
is, is an idea. I'll start now, 30 seconds, begin. Thank you. Everything is an idea. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. That was really helpful. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. That was great for me because uh, um, as soon as something, it's, because when it's an idea, it's it's movable, it's it's changeable, it's it's not fixed. It's an idea, um, and as soon as I identify with something fixed, like a person or personal, <laughs> uh, it's no now it becomes fixed, and. And it and it, and it's just it's not neutral anymore. It's not it's not malleable. It's it, it's fixed. And then I and because it's fixed, I think I have to judge it because it's you know sometimes it could work in a situation and sometimes it can't work in a situation because it's fixed. If something's malleable, if it's not fixed, it it is flexible, so that it can work in every situation it can be applicable in every situation it's when it becomes fixed that it'll work in some situations and maybe not in others so I really appreciated that exercise thank you I'm complete thanks Sandra Yes, indeed. Everything is an idea puts me in the driver's seat. I'm complete. Mm. Thanks, Steve. I 
love the um, in paragraph five in the second section, healing is joining that only the healed mind can experience revelation with a lasting effect because revelation is an experience of pure joy. If you do not choose to be wholly joyous, your mind cannot have what it does not choose to be. Remember that the soul knows no difference between being and having. (laughs) We have in our everything. The higher mind thinks according to the laws which the soul obeys and honors only the laws of God, the laws of love. To give is to receive. Instant karma, instant joy, instant peace. And no one can take it away from me. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Hi, it's Robin Marie. I was being a brat this morning because a lot of people get the day off and I don't. But I think after this call, (laughs) I'm just going to be full of just being thankful. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Robin Marie. Thanks, Robin Marie. I love that, Robin Marie. And the reason you can be thankful is because it's not fixed. You can choose to be thankful no matter what the circumstances are because it's a thought in the mind of God. I'm complete. And for me, any time I feel like I'm a victim of circumstances, I remember that everything is an idea happening inside of me where I have dominion because God is there. I'm complete. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, Patricia here. This recent story of uh, I'm going to work today when other people are able to stay home and have the day off, that was such a... uh, shining example of what I'm noticing occurs when I'm not the person and writing the um, curriculum through the day, what happens is it's like, oh, this is the day where I'm going to work and you're staying home. And then I think of because I, I have no idea of the meaning of this one, the day isn't ever to change it. It's to go, well, then what can I make uh, my own idea about this? And then I, that would be a good one where I'd be laughing all day and 
telling the people, kids or the other um, people with work to do with me, go, we get to go to work today and play with being here. When you know what? I know my brother staying home and cleaning out the garage. <laughs> it's like, so it's sort of like suddenly I go, oh, it's so much fun to let go of the meaning. It really can be. And the second thing I've noticed, um, kind of shockingly, is um, I don't get to get away with playing with drama like I used to. It's got almost like a, like when you drink alcohol or get drunk or something, you know, where before uh, some bit of news or whatever that's an intense movie or whatever that I used to think, oh, look at this loving me that can just love this whole thing. Well, guess what? My body, you guys, now is saying, honey, you might be loving that, but we hurting. And so I go through kind of a, this is a new element. I don't know maybe if I'm aging and I just have a more sensitive body, but as I listen to that and go, so I've got a habit of thinking I should be entertained by the dark and the light and everything because I'm God, my body says, oh, Patricia, that hurt. How about tomorrow doing that walk in the garden and, and playing with smelling flowers? How about thinking about what you're doing to this body when I make a choice? So it has been a little more, well, a whole lot more attention, a whole lot more. I've uh, taken a few things off the list for a while. It's like that, the thought, I can co-create here. And more and more layers wake up to having the freedom to make anything from within. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for all. Have a great day. You too, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. For, thank you for your happiness. Patricia, again, to say I do notice another new habit, and that's of, uh, like that book reading, uh, where I'll get the, the inspiring books now on audio version, too, and sometimes even read a chapter, read things, and record myself, and then play it back. 
and I'm asking myself, like, or I'll, I'll turn and listen to a YouTube talk or something, and I'll say, why am I doing this? I don't even know if I like that character. And then I hear back, you're doing it because you're going to stay listening to the language of love and nothing else. So it's the only language here. And it's like I don't have that freedom to play with this other kind of uh, competitive right, wrong, oh, I succeeded because I, I was better than the other person kind of stories. I've got a very strong kind of uh, disciplinarian inside me right now to mother this uh, egoic uh, identity with uh, only dosing her with uh, like that uh, seconds of being the thoughts of thoughts that have a frequency, a healing, open frequency. And it's needing a lot of discernment and different habits. And it's, um, it's a new thing where uh, before I think I, I don't know, I think to get away with it, I don't know. So I don't understand what I'm saying other than how for some reason I have a thought that it's very important now for me to just be around language and have it going constantly unless I'm involved in some artful thing or some, you know, enjoyment of making a soup or something, you know, that's consumed my brain with the touching of the joy. If I'm not in the touch of it, I get this bossy, I guess. You know, Christ can get bossy. And it's like then you just put something on, music, something on that keeps that frequency clear. Thank you. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks, Patricia. Yeah, thanks, Patricia. I like the way you focus on the power of decision because that's what we got. That's where our power is. Freedom to choose. I'm complete. It it, it takes me to something. The, um, The description of the Holy Spirit as universal inspiration. And um, just so love that quote from the text from uh, last week or so that said, inspiration is the result of genuine devotion. And, you know, the, the whole idea of the text today about being wholehearted, you know, and that joy, is, joy is, comes from the radiance of the mind of the Holy Spirit the totality of that inspiration and um, its universality and its and its um, application any time, any place, anywhere universally true, universally equally ap- applicable and um, that it's constant, that it's a constant state of the mind's own brilliance and its awareness of, of itself in and in and all is everything. You know, that 
that's the totality of the joy. That's the totality of the wholeheartedness. The wholeheartedness of God, of of the Christ consciousness. And, um, you know, that there's, there's, um, you know, that that's in me. And, you know, I, I can choose misery any time, any place. I can choose to be in opposition or reject anybody or anything um, with my personal preferences and likes and dislikes. And, you know, let's get into it. How do I um, look through a little peephole in a fence instead of seeing the whole, whole, whole parade? And, um, you know, shoot something down. It's just so specific and concrete and particular in its preferences, judgments, slicing and dicing of reality. And the wholeness, the completeness of the totality of what it means to be the son of, of the one God and not second to him but merely an extension of his mind. In the brilliance of my mind's awareness. So, that's enough out of me. (laughs) I am complete. Hi, this is Chris. I appreciate uh, one of the prayers in Lesson 51. Uh, I like to prayerfully read it. Where we are never upset for the reason we think because we are constantly trying to justify our thoughts where we are constantly trying to make them true. We make all things our enemies. I like to repeat that. We make all things our enemies so that our anger is justified and our attacks are warranted. We have not realized how much we have misused everything we see by assigning this role to it. We have done this to defend a thought system that has hurt us and that we no longer want. We are willing to let it go. That is a very powerful, to me, uh, prayer because I believe the things that, that it's talking about is the ideas or the thoughts which Steve shared. And this is the, reminds me of the statement that Jesus says in the Bible, love thy enemies. And what does he mean to that? What does he mean by that? To me, he means step back from your enemies, step aside, and let love be brought to the enemy. It really supports the awareness of love within us, where we're aware of this quote-unquote enemy in the form of the way we're seeing, 
and by lovingly and gently stepping aside, allowing it to pass, and lovingly and gently receive a more loving and gentle way of looking. What a wonderful, for me, what a wonderful way of (laughs) translating what Jesus says in the Bible. So have we misused, have I misused um, the thoughts that have come into my mind and assigned a role for me? Have I defended that way of looking in a way that hurt me in the past? And am I willing to let it go as it comes into my mind in the moment rapidly and easily with a lot of love and gentleness? Isn't that way, way cool? Woohoo! I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Lori, for getting the name right. Thank you, Chris. to be the same person, just for your information. (laughs) That's okay. I've stepped back from the importance of my name and I've allowed allowed that to pass. (laughs) Love you all. That's great, Chris. Hi, everybody. This is Lori. sure had enjoyed the shares today and um, I I remember um, the first year I decided to take these lessons really seriously and do them and do them exactly like it said and um, and I, I thought I understood and had accepted atonement for myself um, I had years where I had a really loving experience of the world and myself and and then I had uh, years where that was challenged and um, and after a long time of yearning for home but not being able to get there <laughs> um, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to take this technology really seriously and do it exactly like it says. 
and um, and in that first first round of the very first 20 lessons after I made that decision I couldn't understand the depth of the rage that kept coming up for me I, I wasn't in touch with that at all um, I didn't know any of that was there but I had enough of a, an experience of of what I was blind to that's what it was I had enough of an experience of what I was blind to um, to recognize that I had in fact been dissociated I had in fact been dissociated from the truth of me and I came to understand that year um, and that was only seven years ago <laughs> not all that long ago but I came to understand that year that um, this technology these lessons are in fact a divine technology designed to separate the truth of me from the weather I create in my mind with my thoughts and when I misidentify with those thoughts I lose track of the truth of me and uh, and I have every reason to be angry about that <laughs> um, but the anger is misplaced and needs to be released and that's what I love about this these first five lessons they're all imploring me imploring me to give up the meanings that I assign to everything give up the judgments that I make about everything give up my understanding based on my mind error projections give up my thoughts that I think as a separate person and give up my thought system to the ego that's terrifying um, in point of fact I mean when I really look at it if I've been relying on my sense of control and um, safety in a world that I think is fearful uh, I have every reason to be afraid of letting go of the one thing I hold, think holds me up my ego ideas meanings judgments thoughts understandings and thought system and to the ego that is terrifying and so I realized wow this feels like crap and that's good <laughs> you know that's good the meaning that ego gives to that is this is terrible but to the soul it's joyous to get free of the prison of my own meanings and judgments and understanding some thought system and so um, <laughs> I, I follow the Course in Miracles group on Facebook and it comes up so often um, this is not making me feel better and I picked up this book in order that I should feel better and now look I feel so much worse and everybody seems to interpret that as a really bad thing that's a bad sign it's only a bad sign to the ego thought system 
this technology is so divine, so perfectly inspired by truth that um, if I follow it, like he says, I will be gently led home to the truth of me. <laughs> and um, you, you just got to love this divine technology. And so to the ego, reading the only whole state is to be happy, I remember thinking, bull, you know, um, how can I make myself be happy? And to the ego, it is impossible. But by releasing the meanings, the judgments, my understandings, my thoughts, um, I'm led to the truth of me. And he said, I think it was in chapter two, he said to the ego, this must be interpreted as fearful. But that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. And um, and you just, I just really trust the technology because um, mm -hmm. it led me to a state of mind where I'm pretty happy most of the time. And I would not have been able to do that on my own. I wasn't. I, I The year I got serious was um, the same year that I heard Holy Spirit say, find your people. Because I had been trying to live my truth all by myself. And it turns out that truth is shared by everyone and everything. And um, to revelation can't be experienced with lasting effect, you know, by an unhealed mind. A healed mind recognizes that uh, there's one mind and freedom from the body and freedom from the personality um, is that place. And it's a consequence of releasing my own ideas. So this first step, this first review lesson, um, if it feels bad, that's a really good sign. <laughs> In my experience, that's an excellent sign. So um, I think I'm complete with that. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lori. Well, um, I've been, I got led somewhere, and I've wondered where, where does it go, what do I do? I think I'm supposed to take just that as the call to bring something from a course of love, which is, uh, I think, I think, um, hmm. I, I don't want to call it necessarily foundational, but it is descriptive of the way that these things get held and, uh, <clears throat> and does answer the question of why, you know, why it, uh, why it, it can appear to have the reverse, this, something like this course, can appear to have the reverse of the stated purpose or effect is to in 
increase the pain, or to use the word of it, is bitterness. Okay, so uh, this is this is from Treatise Three in a Course of Love, and it first asks this question in Chapter Six: the desire for reward. It asks this question. Can you give up your desire for reward? To give up your desire for reward is to give up a childish desire that has become like unto a plague among you. While we often do not see it, everything we do is often based on a desire for reward. This is the desire to be given to in return for what you give. No matter who it is you think is in charge of rewarding you, whether it's God or life or faith, the attitude that causes you to desire reward is what must be done without. And this may seem different than the lofty heights that the Course always points to. This is one of the key ideas that will keep you from yourself and has much to do with your former notions of God and of your own self. It is an idea that has been transferred to all of life, much as the idea of an unlovable self was transferred into all areas of life without your recognition. Reward is intricately tied to your notions of being good, performing deeds of merit, and taking care of or surviving the many details that make it seem to make it possible for you to live within the world. The idea of reward transfers to ideas related to comparison as well, as lack of reward in one instance and reward given in another is the cause of much of the bitterness that exists within your heart. While many of you who are still here and learned much may not be those whose bitterness is mighty and held tightly to themselves, bitterness must still be discussed. While bitterness remains, vengeance will remain. You have been shown that God is not a God of vengeance, but you are still in the process of learning that your self is not vengeful. The ego has given you many reasons to be distrustful of yourself, beginning with the idea of your abandonment here. Since the ego is a chosen self and a learned self, there has always been just enough room within the ego's thought system to keep within you the idea of a self the ego is not. Thus has the ego had a self to blame for everything, including your very existence. This blame is as old as time itself and the cause of bitterness being able to exist even within your own hearts. While the untrue cannot exist with the true, what I'm calling here bitterness is all that you have forced through sheer strength of will 
to pierce the holiness of your heart. Bitterness and the idea of vengeance go hand in hand. This is the idea of an eye for an eye, or the exact opposite of turning the other cheek. While this may seem like the very idea of evil, which I have denied the existence of, it is not evil, but bitterness. You may believe that bitterness is just another word, another label for the evil you have always been convinced existed in the hearts of some, but even being that it is just another word, it is one chosen to introduce an idea of such fallacy that it rivals only the ego in its destructive potential. Bitterness is to your heart what the ego has been to your mind. It is the one false idea that has entered this holiest of places, this abode of Christ, this bridge between the human and the divine. It exists not in some, but in all, as the ego has existed not in some, but in all. Like the ego, it has not caused you to be unlovable or unrecognizable. But it has become, like the ego, <clears throat> so much a part of your reality that it must, like the ego, be consciously left behind. Bitterness. Where did you... Oh. This is uh, 3 to 3, Chapter 6, in Course of Love. Bitterness. 3 to 3, Chapter 6. Thank you. Yeah. Bitterness, the desire for reward. Bitterness, as the word implies, is something taken into the self, much as bitter herbs of scripture illustrate. Many rites and exist and rituals exist for the purification of the unclean, but I assure you that you are not unclean and that none can cleanse bitterness from the heart without your choice. The time of tenderness began your release of bitterness and made you ready for Choose now to leave your desire for reward as well as all of your reasons for bitterness and bitterness itself behind. Bring bitterness no longer to the dwelling place of Christ and we will feel the place of its entrance with the sweetness of love so that bitterness will be no more. This, I think, is pointed to in my five, <clears throat> making things enemies so that anger, bitterness, or justified and attacks are warranted. And we do this only to defend a thought system which hurts, <laughs> which we no longer want. And just be willing to recognize this and let it go. Anyway. Thanks for uh, bearing with me there. Thanks for reading that. I'm so aware of the vigilant voice in my head that is constantly seeking out what I already have in terms of reward. 
I'm complete. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Patricia here, you know, with uh, sort of I was kind of showered with your story, Lori, and this open of uh, the everything, this uncomfortable, the whole range of the open heart. And then as I was listening to the reading of uh, the Source of Love book, I kept hearing, and look at this, life without need to have meaning. Nothing ever gets to have to be thrown away, Patricia. Even bitter, you know what bitters do. They help you digest things. Bitters are there to do that. You're going to go to the garden soon and get a lemon, or you're going to tell your friend to use vinegar and a little spoon of that in that thermos of water, you know what bitters do. So it's really fun, too, to highlight off of you for all your shares and what it brings out in me is that when the language can be allowing everything and not have to wait for something to go away or be gone, but allow it allow it. It changes, and the words have new meaning. For example, or or who was talking about being happy and holding that, to me that word is a frequency, and love has like all the colors. I'm not physical, so this spirit is a frequency, and I'll go to Bitters, they're a more dense frequency to use. And sometimes maybe um, resentment or um, anger or although even deeper density. And so the way I might put boots on to walk in the mud, but I love to go barefoot all the time, actually. I'm learning to change the words and give them the voice in the Christ mind here to dance for everything to be present just with a meaning that allows it to be. So the truth is bitters are an amazing digestive aid. Thank you. No, thanks, Patricia. That's great. Well, we went over. Lori, do you have a close business call you'd like to offer? Um, well, you know, here's a really straightforward closing that I'm liking today. It's from this chapter, and he says, I've already told you whenever you are not wholly joyous, is because you've reacted with a lack of love to some soul which God created. Then he goes on, decisions cannot be difficult. This is obvious if you realize that you must have already made a decision not to be wholly joyous, if that is how you feel. Therefore, the first step in this undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly 
but can as actively decide otherwise. Be very firm with yourselves in this and keep yourselves fully aware of the fact that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you because God placed it there. Your part is merely to return your thinking, return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Say to yourselves the following as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I will, I will to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I will to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. Amen. The goal to which all of this chapter is dedicated. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Those here now and those in the future.